Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're back here on the big podcast after a couple-week hiatus doing the next edition of the Beaver's Edge Top 25. We're going to be running through 10 through 20 after TJ and I previewed uh, 21 through the honorable mentions a couple weeks ago. Good to talk to you guys again. Fall camp is just around the corner. It's an exciting time. Uh, Again, fall is don't want to wish away summer but tj you can start to feel it almost in the air like it's almost fall camp season man i'm excited good to see you man yeah i'm I'm crawling towards august it, it just just <laughs> needs something something to fill the yeah. air down here and it gets a little slow during the summer <laughs> we were just talking about this before we started the podcast we realized as both you and i in our 20s as we get into adulthood realizing that summer is you know it's still about work yeah and the work slows down quite a bit in the summer when there's uh, there's no football going on. So it's good. Yeah. It'll be exciting and looking forward to just about two weeks till, uh, till we get to get back out at the pro throw practice field. That should be fun. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Uh, I've seen pictures. Uh, I haven't been down to Corvallis in a couple weeks. I know you've been down there seeing the stadium. Um, from what I've seen, that's that's going to be something. Almost looks like something out of a spaceship, man, like Captain Kirk would be. He he would approve. It looks pretty darn cool. Uh, I won't have to, to sit to... outside, <laughs> I think. Too. I think. Yep. <laughs> poor, poor, poor TJ was out in the auxiliary seating for the uh, Oregon game last year and was uh, ha- had a few little little hotties in his gloves to keep him warm. You, you but... would think having a giant winter jacket with a hood over your head outside <laughs> would be perfectly fine yeah. for sitting outside, but no. no. See, it's okay, little, though. Little the, chilly. Uh, the moment, that second half momentum got some much-needed heat. You, you, were probably, you were probably feeling good in the second half. Yeah, or uh, I, uh, I need an feel- excuse to come hang out in the in the, the shipping containers, but this time I won't need yeah. to because what we'll yeah. we'll press it. I hope. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to have fans join us on this side of the stadium this year. And again, TJ and I, I'm sure we'll be invited to kind of see something before the public is unveiled to it. We'll definitely do a podcast. We'll talk about it, share our experiences, so on and so forth. But uh, real quick before we get in the podcast, TJ, I just I have to ask because I saw. Uh, in 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 a brief way, how was the uh, MLB All Star Game up in Seattle, oh. and what was your experience like up there, my friend? Uh, awesome. mo- most importantly, circle back to the Beavers. What was it like Seattle up there, man? I mean, oh uh, my god, dad. I mean, that's uh, th- that was one of the coolest things I've seen. I know a lot of Beaver fans were super excited to see Adley. Uh, obviously, wasn't able to advance, but switch hitting record on both sides, dude. Your dad throwing to you, uh, epic, epic moment. Yeah, that, I mean, that was my uh, – arguably one of my – that was my second favorite round of the weekend. Of course, I there saw that go. in the first round. I'm like, wow, who the hell is going to top that in the first <laughs> round? And, uh, through the entire derby. And if you think of another round throughout the derby, like there were some good rounds, but nobody was going to top the fact that Adley, you know, first of all, the only left-hand hitter, left-hand yeah. hitter because he's a switch hitter, hitting sure, him out sure. to right field, by the way feels so bad for those people who spent all that money to sit in the in the right and out in the outfield and center and right field and got nothing the entire derby and to see Adley go out there you know he had a good round left hand and then all of a sudden he steps to the plate right-handed without warming up I'm like what the hell is he doing (laughs) yeah and then all of a sudden he had six homers on his first six swings I'm like oh it's awesome yeah that's bizarre and then of course Julio comes up three batters later and sets the Derby record with 40 yeah. home runs. And then, of course, yeah, I forgot all Julio about Adley in the moment. <laughs> Sorry, Adley. Um, yeah, I'm, that, but but it, was, it was fun. Yeah. 
the game. Did you know how much the get-in price for the game was? No, not off the top of my head. $400. Crispy. That's expensive. That's $100 more than I paid to go to the playoff game. The one wow. single playoff game they played at home last year. Wow. The first yeah. one in two decades was cheaper than going to an exhibition all-star game. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely interesting because, I mean – would you expect, like, say Portland ever hosted an NBA All-Star game, which is the only thing they could probably ever host one day? Maybe MLS. Do they do an MLS All-Star break, I think? Maybe. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think so. Something along those lines, would you expect to be – I mean, I could see it being about that. I could. I could see it. But The thing expensive. I think about it is that what I was most disappointed about is that the Major League Baseball All-Star game is the by far the most popular one and the more, yeah. most, say, destination-oriented. Like, say sure. – like you wouldn't go travel to an NBA All Star game. Sure, I sure, sure. I, I wouldn't yeah. assume you would. I sure, wouldn't. yeah, no, probably not. Probably so, not. No, but, no. But for the baseball one, people do because there's a there's the draft around it, and there's the yeah. derby, and then there's the game, which the game is actually quality because you yeah. can't no, pass sure. a baseball game. But it was kind of disappointing not getting to actually go into the game. I did not purchase a game ticket <laughs> because it was so expensive. I went to yeah. a watch party instead. But derby was good. And the futures game was fine as well. It's it's always good yeah. to have the base the the national sports world centered on a region of the country in the Pacific Northwest, which yeah. never gets that. Never right. ever. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely awesome. And I I bet you could hear the uh, the collective screams from Corvallis all the way up in Seattle. And and I yeah, I no, Adley so. was the second crowd favorite. Yeah, he that's was. Awesome. I, I saw mean, a lot of Rutschman jerseys, and I don't yeah, I don't think all these people flew from Baltimore. Yeah, no, he's, he's, yeah, he's super special, man. And just had to give him a shout out. I saw you were up there and knew he, uh, he, he, he had an awesome moment and we hadn't podcasted since. So had to do a little, a little sidebar to uh, check in with that, but uh, down to brass tacks, as they say, uh, TJ and I are definitely a little deeper into the Beaver's Edge list than uh, last time we talked to you guys. Uh, we went 21 through the honorable mentions, which was, uh, tight end Jack Velling, uh, defensive back Alton Julian, linebacker John McCartan, uh, defensive lineman Joe Golden, and tight end Jake Overman, plus the honorable mentions. And now we're going to run through uh, 10 through 20, and then we'll be doing the 1 through 9 uh, debut uh, ahead of fall camp as well. So we'll be running that down before the start of fall camp again. First week of August, make sure to stay tuned. BeaversEdge.com, TJ, me. Uh, we'll be bringing you guys in-depth, exclusive news on DJU and your Oregon State Beavers. So, another place you're going to want to be. TJ, without further ado, let's go ahead and kick it off, man. Number 20, defensive lineman Isaac Hodgins. What are your thoughts on uh, Isaac coming back for what I believe is his sixth season this year? Nice veteran presence along the defensive line. Uh, I think, you know, coming back, he kind of wanted to be healthy this year. And I, I, I think uh, – it, it could be a final, a, a good final rodeo for him. And you can never really have too many big bodies on, on your defensive line. I can, you know, I can still remember that, that, uh, that Fox sports graphic from uh, well, three years ago when they played UW noting the fact that Oregon state didn't have any 300 pound defensive linemen yeah. on their, on their defensive line. And, you know, Isaac Hodgins has, has been here this whole time. It was nice to see him in spring. He had a little bit of a, of a pass rush giddy up to him he in did. spring, which as we know on the defensive line, there is nothing more valuable than having interior defensive linemen who can get pressure on the quarterback. I'm not, we'll see how it looks in fall and we'll see how it translates into the game, but a healthy Isaac Hodgins, he's got all these tricks in his bag and 
it, it, that's an enticing option there. I think this is, you know, about right. He is a, he's a pretty important part of that defensive line, not even really pressuring the quarterback. Viewers are going to need to be stout there in the middle with a bunch of these really, really good backs in the Pac-12. Yeah, no doubt. I think I think uh, the experience, the leadership, and then hopefully, you know, now a couple seasons removed from his injury should be playing some of his best football, no doubt. Uh, up next, number 19, Jaden Robinson. Uh, TJ, big things expected out of Jaden this year. Uh, definitely a player uh, we could be end up needing to move higher on the list by the end of the season, given that we expect him to compete for a starting job. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a guy who's been more patient in waiting for his time than Jaden Robinson, who now is in his final year and has really just played the long game. You know, uh, you, you got to, you know, see it, see him prove it on the field. But uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely a guy that based on the limited size we saw last year, filling in for Rajon uh, in the bowl game. Uh, I, I think he's going to help uh, be able to kind of maintain that strong uh, defensive back, particularly cornerback play. We saw this last year. I credit these college athletes for, for how long some of these guys actually have to wait to play. Like, could, Brendan, could you imagine not, like, getting to take all the classes you wanted to in college until your senior year? Like, you, you yeah. just kind of spent the first three years doing nothing? Well, actually, funny enough, Brendan, that kind of sounds like how it is sometimes. Um, funny how that works. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I mean... but for Jane Robinson – you know, he's going to be alongside another guy in this top 20 that we'll touch on here in a little bit who's going to be competing for those starting roles. And it's going to be intriguing because those two spots are, are wide open and Jonathan's going to keep his cards close to his chest until we get closer to the season. He's really going to let these guys go out there and play. They have a lot of good options in the secondary room. So I'm really excited to see Jaden Robinson really get some some just just there's no there's no Rajon. There's no Alex Austin in front of him waiting to take the actual good reps. Like, no, you're going to go up against Anthony Gould and Silas Bolden, and, right. you know, you're going to prove yourself that you deserve to start. Right. And, you know, to that point, TJ, Jaden Robinson's first year at Oregon State, 2018. He's been here since Jonathan arrived, if you can believe it. So, wow. And so let's see. So played in uh, two games in 2018, played in two games in 2019, played in seven games in 2020, did not play in 2021 injury, uh, then played in 12 games this last year. So this last year was his first year even playing in every game, TJ. So, I, again, like you said, I just – when I was writing the little write-up on him, I just noticed right away it's just I was impressed. Like, in today's world of transfer happy, you don't see guys being that patient. Right. Like, think of yourself, Brendan. Are you a patient person? Like, I don't think I, – I don't consider myself for what, like, some of the evaluation, self-evaluation me, of, out of myself in the, in the last couple – last few months. I've realized I'm not a patient person at no. all. So no. when we talk about patience and to fully get something, you have to wait six years for it. Like, man, like, it's like, where are you going to be in yeah. six years? No, I don't true. know. I, mean, I don't know where a, I'm going to be. A, so it's, um, it's funny to think about. I'll, I'll say this, and maybe someone will chime in and say something else. TJ, I don't think you can be a super successful sports writer with patience. You all, or broadcaster or whatever. You've got to be go, 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 go all the time, I think, to be, you know, really good at this. And it's like, yeah, you know, patience, uh, you know, it's a virtue, but I, I'm with you on that. Uh, it's definitely – you know, it, it takes a lot, and I think it shows a lot about Jaden's character and the kind of person that he is. And, uh, you know, uh, based on what we heard from the upperclassmen that TJ mentioned, 
I, I, I do think there's going to be a very little drop off if a drop off at all, because, you know, I think he's a very talented guy. He got in the mix, played well against Florida. And, you know, there might be some rough spots early on, but I think, you know, like TJ said, there's a lot of really nice options uh, in that defensive backfield. Uh, arriving at number 18, Easton Mascarenas Arnold, new inside linebacker starter, presumed, uh, as everything's still to be worked out. But reading the tea leaves in fall camp with him being with the one or spring practices, excuse me, with him being with the ones almost exclusively, uh, he seems primed to take over one of those spots departed by Kyrie Fisher and Omar Spates. The other inside linebacker spot up for debate, but Easton had some great moments last year. I think if you can even say it, I think the Beavers inside linebackers might be more athletic and actually a little bit better this year. Interesting. Based on say Kyrie or, or are we talking just collective? So Kyrie and Omar based on the analytics were great run stoppers. They were not necessarily Mm -hmm. great guys defending the pass. If, if they were drawn out, to a receiver or a tight end or something like that. Not to say they weren't solid. They were great players when they were here, but you know, some guys are better at some things than others. When in a reserved role, Easton Mascarenas had the pick six against Washington last year. I was like, Whoa. Okay. So this guy can play and he's instinctive and he can stop the run. So not to say that those guys weren't great. I'm sure Oregon state would have loved to have Omar alongside uh, Easton this year, you know, because I think Easton was going to be a, a stud whenever he came up. But now that both those guys are gone, uh, a lot of the onus is going to be on Easton because we don't know if it's going to be Mason Tufega, if it'll be John Miller. Either one of those guys have, you know, in the case of Mason Tufega, I don't think he played much at Utah, if at all. And then John Miller, pretty reserved kind of special teams type roles. So Easton's going to be asked to do a ton at that inside linebacker yeah. spot. I think he's fully capable, though. Real talented player, and uh, I like him a lot. Yeah, he's got some big shoes to fill. And that, I, I guess there would be one like slight worry about that middle linebacker spot. There's just no experience there. Yeah. So, and, and that's a really, really important spot when it comes to uh, managing the plays on the defense, making sure people are in the right spots, and uh, and and you know managing to to plug up the gaps of the middle and you right. know maybe tap your defensive lineman that he's not in the wrong not in the wrong gap like he's in the wrong right. gap so that's it's going to be an important role he's going to be in but it, it's exciting because he's got every he's got a chance to grab like the lead spot which is which is good and and I would say like he's got to be he would have to be very good for this Oregon State defense to also continue to to take steps forward. Yeah, no, certainly, and I think you know with with. With him, you know, like I said, the, the importance of getting him those those reps last year and kind of having him kind of be in the mix, I think, was pretty important. And I think it's going to pay dividends this year in a big way. And like we said, fall camp's going to be exciting because we're going to see who's going to win that other inside linebacker job. Uh, might as well throw Micaiah Tongue in there too, TJ, who had some some moments in in spring as well. And you know, uh, between you know, I, I know John Miller got most of the reps, but between those three guys experience is limited so i think it will be the cream rising to the top so to speak uh for who plays alongside him uh moving right along number 17 sione lola Hea comes in defensive lineman uh here this this is the guy that i really really like tj i i know i've said that a couple times on this podcast already but sione the 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 motor that he plays with on the defensive line um 
you know, I, I think I don't know if he's Oregon State's most talented defensive lineman. I think that's a defensive lineman to be named coming up in the top 10. But I don't know if anyone plays with as much physicality and as hard as Sione Lolo here plays with. Uh, he's he, he just he doesn't take a playoff. He's extremely physical. Um, and, you know, he's not the biggest guy out there, but he uses his size uh, pretty well. So I think more than anything, uh, you know, like you said, with uh, Isaac Hodgins, just another guy on that defensive line who's going to be better another year in the system. And with what we saw last year, it was some some flashes of some pretty good play. Yeah, and there's a, a lot of opportunity for for pass rush as well, which is which is really important for him and having the the ability to be a little bit more versatile on the on the defensive line. He's going to just be a, really just another key in there that they're going to hope to just rotate through and and keep all these guys fresh to to keep the pressure on the quarterback and something. Mm-hmm. It's about as deep as they've ever had, which is or in, in quite a while. So it's it's pretty nice for Sione Lolahea. And he's another guy to mention uh, that I think could be certainly higher. If we do this addition at the end of the year, simply based on how TJ and I think that the defensive line may ultimately be the strength of the defense this year. Uh, you know, I, I really do think he could be a guy that, you know, is in for uh, big time tackles for loss, you know, some sacks and just really being a, a glue guy on that defensive line. Um, definitely a nice piece, you know, and again, another piece that's going to really help Oregon State take the next step uh, on that particular uh, position group. Uh, up number 16, uh, defensive back Ryan Cooper Jr. Uh, TJ Coop had himself a pretty big debut season last year. Uh, I wrote about it a little bit in the write-up. There are two kinds of JUCO guys. There are the JUCO guys that when they get there, immediately you go, uh-oh. This guy's going to need to spend a year in a college system or a college weight room before he's ready to really help us. Then there are the Ryan Coopers. I don't know if I've ever seen a Juco player, and that includes Nashawn Wright, Rajon Wright, some of the great defensive backs they've had come through here. Uh, maybe Alton Julian, possibly, but I'm not sure I've seen a defensive back for Oregon State in recent memory come out of Juco, who has been able to hit the ground running as quickly as Coop did this last year, TJ. Uh, you would have thought he was playing in that system for two, three years. Uh, I, I think it was, he, yeah. Like, I, I think he's going to be a stud. Like, you know, he had some some dudes above him, like you mentioned, that were going to be getting the lion's share of the snaps. And I think he's kind of more suited for that nickel kind of flex role than a true corner, hence why we kind of expect um, – you know, uh, some other guys to lock down the corner spots. They're all interchangeable pieces. And uh, I, I think we, we saw flashes of him being like really good. And and I think he's uh, he's going to be a dandy of a player for the Beavers this year. Yeah, that's good. But they, they could slide him outside. I would say if they need to, because they, they did do that. They in could. The bowl game. Yeah, they so, could. Like he, he's got that versatility to do that. And he was, yeah, he was about as rock solid as you could get. I mean, there's there's very little drop off going going from outside to inside with Ryan Cooper. Just another guy who's really just flashed every time I've seen him play. I mean, he's he's around the ball, he sticks to his guy, and he's he's a good athlete. I mean, he's hanging with these guys pretty darn well. So it's uh it's impressive to see in just another one of this just deep defensive back group. That's just just very yeah. exciting. Well, and it's interesting to me because the one thing I've heard, you know, like even talking to Jonathan, you know, last year was, you know, we really like Coop at nickel. They want to keep him at nickel. And like you said, versatile enough to play anywhere. I find it interesting that like, you know, we're we're hearing things that 
you know, maybe Trice Ivy is going to be, you know, one of the starters at one of the cornerback positions. He's got great size at six foot two. Coop's only six foot, but Jaden Robinson only sits six foot. So I wonder if there's kind of that angling to, you know, the work. You know, Alex Austin was, I believe, you know, six one, six two. Jaden Grant was obviously a little less than six foot. And then Rajon, I think, was six foot or six one, something like that. So you know, definitely want to have size versatility, but like you said, Coop was all over the ball this last year, and and I really do think he's going to uh, do even more big things. Just having, um, uh, just having, you know, the bo- more opportunities, you know, to play, uh, and not mm-hmm. having, you know, the, several guys, several more upperclassmen guys that are, you know, roaming around making plays. So no, I think he'll be mm-hmm. uh, solid as well. Uh, up to 15, uh, a guy that uh, definitely came on strong towards the end of last season, checks inside the top 15, Drew Chatfield, outside linebacker. Uh, TJ had a couple big moments uh, in the bowl game, particularly getting the sack of his uh, well, his former team in the Florida Gators and uh, just a monster of an athlete, uh, you know, the type of athlete that I've said Oregon State doesn't get a lot of you know, super often as far as like big, strong, fast guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Drew Chatfield was obviously a former four-star recruit, very highly recruited and ended up coming out to Oregon State. Um, I think he he's another guy that if the pass rush is going to take a step forward, TJ, he needs to have a big-time season this year. Yeah, he's got a lot of op- – he's going to get a lot of opportunities. Gonna, I, I feel like he – we imagine, I would say, he's going to get one of the starting outside linebacker spots, which is really going to open to him up to to plenty of more opportunity to rush the quarterback. And we've seen when he gets, like, a very good amount of reps to to rush the quarterback, he's he's had that opportunity. The, the stat that you had in your write-up about uh, in terms of returning outside linebackers, I mean, he's inside the – Inside the ten, uh, yeah, the ten. Inside the top ten in terms of <laughs> in terms of uh, been a long day yeah. already. Uh, no, I feel uh, in terms you. Of feel returning back twelve outside linebackers, wow. and that's just in in a limited sample size. So now, give this guy a little bit more opportunity. Get him out on the edge. Get him in space, and you know, let him go eat. I mean, that's the best thing you can do with some of these athletes. And he's got some 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 of the most, I would say, most. A good chunk of the ups. I don't even know how to how to format this sentence, but he's got a lot of upside there on that defense. More than more than just about any of those guys he's sharing the defensive line with, and that's why these guys are gonna be so excited. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see him in camp. Of you know what's he look like? I mean, that, yeah, has he added a new pass rushing move? Like I guess we'll have to see. Right, things like that, and you know, like TJ alluded to, most likely he and John McCartan are going to be the outside linebackers at least to start the season. It's possible we can see someone like, you know, Nico Taylor or Corey Stover work their way into the mix. But given that, uh, you know, Chatfield and McCartan have been around for a while, McCartan, you know, obviously started this last year, multi-year starter kind of a thing. Uh, that's a lot of height and a lot of um, a lot of length coming at you, TJ, on the edges with. McCartan, who I think stands 6'5 or 6'6, and Chatfield, who I think is like 6'4, 6'3. So that's 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 a lot of height and a lot of size. So that's certainly going to help Oregon State if those two uh, can take a uh, take a jump this next year. Certainly excited about Drew Chatfield. Now we got one we're going to settle into uh, for a few moments as we arrive at number 14. Ben Goldbrinson comes in. Uh, quarterback, not expected to be the starting quarterback in TJ or I's eyes. We'll go ahead and get that out of the way now. But as I wrote in the write-up, 
It's why they play the game. It's why fall camp happens, right? You know, I'm I'm not Jonathan Smith, and I don't make those decisions. So we'll see what happens. But you know, I think we have been very appropriately rated for the role that we think he's going to have this year. Um, again, it would not shock me in the slightest if Ben has a Tristan Jebbia type role this year, where he is voted captain by his teammates. I don't doubt that he's going to be, you know, a potentially a terrific mentor to, you know, Aiden Childs and maybe DJ. Um, and who knows, you know, uh, football is an interesting game and injuries happen or, you know, whatever. But at this point, I'm still very confident in my choice. I think DJ will win the starting quarterback job. And I think the future still belongs to Aiden Childs. So that kind of leaves Ben in a bit of a, a middling ground. But as I mentioned, uh, there may not be a quarterback on the roster who has more respect from his teammates than that guy right now. Let's just get that out of the way. DJ or Aiden hasn't played a, a snap for these guys. Ben went seven and one as a starter. Oregon State does not go to the Las Vegas Bowl. They don't win the Las Vegas Bowl without Ben at least game managing. We'll go ahead and leave it open for a debate on everything else, but at the very least game managing TJ, um, you know, it's also reasonable to assume that he's going to improve. I'm not sure how much he can improve. Some of his weaknesses that he did have were a little bit more stylistic than necessarily like just working on it. Um, and maybe some physical limitations, but again, I stand by, like I said, I don't know if there's a guy in that quarterback room that has the endearment of every single one of his teammates more than Ben. And that's, because of all the weird stuff that happened with Chance Nolan last year and that weird journey, TJ, we're still trying to find out what happened. The thing for Ben, he has like the cards in his hands. He has the opportunity to play out of folk camp, get better. And he, I mean, he could stay the whole season, right? If he wants to, no problem. Yep. He's a graduate. Uh, so, as you mentioned, he could go anywhere, anytime he wants because he's a grad transfer. Grad transfers can have the freedom to yes. pretty much do what they want because they have a college degree. So, he's made the choice as of now to participate in camp. Now, I believe once camp starts, he probably can't go to another camp and play. That would seem, that would also probably be a bad coaching decision on the other side, getting someone who doesn't know your system at all. But he's going to give himself the opportunity to win another job. Yeah. He can finish out how whatever he needs to at Oregon State, get his master's, um, and then transfer somewhere else if he wants to. I mean, that's it, right? Yeah, he, I mean. Or he could go out and win the job. I mean, we don't know. They haven't named anyone yet. Like, it's we, a far... we do think DJ's, DJ's going to win the job. Yeah. But, it's... you know. Like you said, injuries always happen. DJ gets hurt in the first day of camp, and everyone uproar comes across Corvallis, yeah. and, and and the season's over. It's like, oh well, you know, Ben went seven and one last year. Like, oh, yeah, it's okay. it's one of those things to me where uh, obviously TJ, you weren't here. I believe you were down uh, living it up in the Valley of the Sun. But during mm. the th this this, it's not exactly the same, but it has some really interesting vibes in the same way. Twenty sixteen. Oregon State that year uh, has its most successful season under Gary Anderson. They go four and eight. There's the headline, right? Most successful. <laughs> There's the headline. There's the headline. Uh, but most importantly, TJ, after a dreadful start 
and I think they were two and eight. They won their last two, beat Arizona, beat Oregon. Marcus McMarion was the quarterback, helped lead the win over Oregon with Ryan Nall, beat the great streak. Again, I don't think Beaver fans have anything positive to say about Gary Anderson, but even as I tell people all these years later, yeah, well, at least someone, someone, someone beat the Ducks, you know, in, the, in that particular stretch. Because I think they were about seven or eight years at the time. But regardless, uh, putting a, a, a wrap on that, the Beavers went out that offseason and recruited Jake Luton. From the moment that Jake Luton was on campus, we heard Gary Anderson say, we really like Jake Luton. We really like Jake Luton. Really like Jake Luton. Jake Luton and Marcus McMarion went toe-to-toe for about two and a half weeks. Jake Luton won the job. Marcus McMarion was a graduate. He went to Fresno State. If I'm not wrong, proceeded to have back-to-back 10-win campaigns in his final two years. And BASU. See, there you go. So – I don't think that's similar because I think no, I, I I think Jake Luton was great, but I think DJ obviously has much higher ceiling than that, and I think the situation's different. But it's one that I think is very interesting for the fact that you mentioned graduate. With all that, I don't expect Ben to lose the job and leave, but TJ's right. The opportunity could be there. It's open for him being a graduate, so I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But with all that said, um, I think Ben is one of the best backups to have in the conference. And if he, you know, um, if he doesn't end up winning that job, I think uh, certainly it's going to be, um, uh, it's, you know, he, he, he serves a valuable role on this team. And that's why we placed him where we did on the roster, despite the fact that he not might not play all that much this year. Um, let's go ahead and uh, move along as we got to uh, charge ahead through the final four here to uh, go ahead and wrap up the podcast. A pair of running backs up next. We'll start at number 13 with Jam Griffin. Um, Jam Griffin checks in at 13, Deshaun Fenwick at 12. We'll get into both of them, but because they both play the same position, we can maybe talk about them in a bigger sense. Uh, I think both these guys, in very different ways, are going to fill a very vital role behind Damian Martinez this year, TJ. Uh, I think Deshaun Fenwick can be more of the – you know, physical in between the tackles, maybe even more of the goal line guy with Jack Coletto gone this year. He's a load to bring down, just, you know, big physical guy. And I think Jam Griffin, conversely, can offer more as a receiver this year. Uh, I think he obviously can run the ball well. We saw that last year. But I think Jam could offer a little bit more as a receiver, especially with Martinez probably handling a lot of the run game duty too. Uh, But we saw this last year. They can yield a three-headed, you know, running back, unit with ease i don't see any reason why both those guys won't play big roles i really like them like them both and i think they're awesome backup running back options and maybe even borderline starter options at some pac-12 schools i'm still trying to trying to judge if my prediction about what someone in the running back room will will transfer Mm. um i don't think we've quite reached that yet still have time which is interesting, but again, these two will be crucial because you, you know, running backs get hurt all the time. So the, these guys, Martinez, would just be... I mean, Martinez got hurt, Fenwick got hurt, Griffin. Right. All three of those guys right. got hurt last year at certain points. Yeah. yeah, and and what? To be honest, you think about it this way: like, what running back wouldn't want to run behind Oregon State's offensive line? So you think? Just it's think true. about it that way. That's it's a pretty true. good sales pitch to stay here. It is right. It is. So yeah. th- these two were, really will feel crucial. I, I did like how you outlined it. I'm curious to see how they'll structure it in camp. I feel like, you know, I feel like if we're talking like a true number two back, if I'm going to give just a, a whale of a prediction before camp yeah. starts. I mean, I would say Deshaun Fenwick probably, 
behind yeah. Damian Martinez because they probably run similar Damian, you know, more upside, more breakaway speed, et cetera. Sure. But in terms of running between the tackles, that's probably it. But say you're, you know, trying to run a toss sweep or you're trying to get someone out on the edge and, and trying to really utilize their speed. That's where Jam Griffin comes along. Yeah, he's got good and speed. Along with, along with catching passes. But to be honest, all these guys catch passes and they're pretty good yeah. at it. So you, you can't really complain if you're that much. But So I think this is really just going to be a competition between these two to see really what kind of plays they're going to be on the field for in that yeah, sense no, in terms of instead of no being doubt. just a true number one or number two role. I guarantee you, TJ, I bet you five bucks right now. Number one, Damian Martinez. Then Deshaun Fenwick or Jam Griffin. Guarantee it's going to be an or. And it's going to be the same yeah, thing. Like I said, I I think they offer if, you know, different. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Damian Martinez or Deshaun Fenwick or Jam Griffin. <laughs> Could be too, I would, right? Like, why well, wouldn't I mean... be surprised? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, we got Pac-12 Media Day coming up uh, today when you guys will be uh, watching this. Uh, and uh, Oregon State brought Anthony Gould and uh, Katano Ladapo. So, you know, it's definitely mm-hmm. interesting to see, you know, uh, Oregon State uh, definitely uh, uh, does things uh, their own way for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you never know, right? They, they could certainly list it that way as well. But bottom line on those guys, I think, like I said, I think they're starting level backs at most group of five schools and starting level backs at uh, you can make a case for a couple schools in the pac 12 you really really could and yeah. you know that's a, a blessing to have and like tj said coach mahal check and what he does up front a massive reason why which brings us it's a great transition to our final two players uh on this uh, top 25 uh number 10 through uh, 20 tj as we arrive at two offensive linemen, uh, Hanelli Bloomfield at number 10 and Marco Brewer at number 11. A couple of the big boys up front going to be opening holes for those guys, as we mentioned. Um, Hanelli, it's kind of interesting that both these guys come here. Marco Brewer was the starter at left guard until he suffered a season-ending injury. Hanelli Bloomfield came in, finished the season for him at left guard, played just as good, if not better, than Marco did early Bloomfield's now locked into a starting spot, and it's Brewer that's got to earn that guard spot back. Uh, but I think he will, based on how the offensive line is shaking out. Lots of guys with starting experience. These two guys, the um, uh, you know, obviously a, a tier below the guys we're going to mention. Uh, not to say that they're any less, but Oregon State's got three really good offensive linemen that are going to be in the very high levels of this list. But um, no, I think these two guys are, if these are your two uh, lesser options on the line, uh, you're, you're a top five offensive line in the country. Top 10. Yeah. I mean, you would say, yeah. To put it into some perspective, I mean, both have over 80 grades on pro football, uh, on pro yeah, football focus. Marco in 20, uh, in 20 was the, the best run blocking guard in the country. And then Bloomfield was the sixth best last year. I mean, like, that's pretty good for those uh, more of a sales pitch. Very those good. two running backs, not to transfer yep. anywhere. It's hey like, guys, oh, just saying, I don't think anyone's yeah. going to block better than than these two guys in front of you. So yeah. that sounds like a pretty good option, man. Oregon State, they are just loaded on the offensive line. They in PFF, so they talent. rated Oregon State's offensive line only behind Georgia and Michigan this year. That's pretty good. Uh, that's a, and and that's a, that it. says a lot about the the guys in, in the middle of the line as well. I mean, it is not just having bookend tackles. I mean, it is having blue chip players from uh, from tackle to guard to yeah. center. It's it's I amazing. Mean, I mean, yeah, like I said, we have three more guys that we will mention. You all can guess who they are coming up, you know, in the days to come. And you can even make the cane that Mar- 
make the claim that Marco and Hanelli deserve to be higher than they are, and I wouldn't argue with mm-hmm. you for how much Oregon State like or good. Yeah, five five offensive linemen in the top eleven of this list. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense because <laughs> the strength of Oregon State's football team is in this. You mentioned. I don't think it's a stretch right now to say they have a top 10. You said top five by some metrics. I think you go safe and say top 10 offensive line in all of America. And uh, credit to Coach Mahalchek, credit to, you know, uh, the recruiters that be. And like you said, you want to talk about why those running backs decided to stay? I think that's certainly a big reason why. So, again, that's the uh, that's the list uh, 10 through 20. Uh, TJ and I will be breaking down at 1 through 9 here in the next uh, week plus when we uh, wrap up and we're doing a kind of wrap up on that. We'll also be getting into uh, preview in fall camp. As we mentioned, that's going to start the first week of August. TJ and I will be there. You know, the whole nine yards, nuggets, rep- reports, uh, interviews. You know where it is. You know how it is at beaversedge.com. We're going to be there, excited for it, and yeah, TJ, I can't say I've been this excited for a fall camp um, since I've covered Oregon State football, and that's we're getting we're getting on. This will be the ninth year. Wow! So next year will be a decade. How about that? Yeah, twenty fourteen, man, jumped on there and was like, yeah. I mean, you know, we we count the time when we jumped on it as a uh, as a uh, as part of a student student led thing. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a while, but yeah, I mean, it just. You know, we went through some lean years there for a while, but now, like I said, I'm I'm super excited to uh, to cover it. Super excited to get to hang out with you down in Corvallis and uh, uh, bring all the uh, Beavers Edgers some great content. So, thanks again for uh, hopping on the podcast, buddy. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you in person here soon, and uh, we're going to be uh, talking some ball soon. Of course, sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to this edition of the Edge Podcast. Big thanks to TJ Matthewson. As always, stay tuned to beaversedge.com. It is July, but we are so close to fall camp. Make sure to stay tuned. We're going to have all the latest for you guys uh, leading into Oregon State's fall camp. Thanks for watching this edition of the Edge Podcast.